0: Welcome Haber to the World XP Podcast. This is episode number 16. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. i been, been a fan of yours and, and some of the other YouTubers, FIFA YouTubers on the scene for, for quite some time. So it's great to, to have you on and to be able to kind of explore your career in the industry and, and what life is like for you. And then just generally like we can just like, like you said, just shoot the shit. So Welcome.
1: Hey, I'm happy to be on, bro. I, I I love doing podcasts. One of my favorite things.
0: Yeah. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts in in your in your spare time?
1: Yes. Uh, big fan of Joe Rogan. Uh, oh, of I listen to most of his. Um, I listen to a, a British YouTuber called Jack as well. Mm-hmm. He does a happy hour podcast. It's called. I listen to him a lot as well because um, he has a lot of British guests on. But yeah, sure. I listen to, every day. I listen to a podcast.
0: Yeah. Rogan is Rogan is one of the ones he was the initial sort of uh, influence I guess in, into why I started this I was having conversations like this with people generally and one of my friends was like hey you should start a podcast you have good ideas and so so here we are but um, which ones um, how, how did you find rogan just through the interweb or through people just told you um, about different clips or
1: I don't know like it, it be a mix uh, of friends watching or listening and and telling me about it. And, and YouTube just recommending it as well. Just popping up on the homepage here and there. Um, You know, he's so big everywhere now that it's kind of hard not to know of him. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it just kind of pops up, especially with big guests as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. He said a couple, um, he's had a couple of big ones on recently. I don't know if you're super aware of the whole Spotify, like censoring or not censoring thing. Um, And then he went and whether or not they did or not, and then he went on and had three guests in a row that Spotify was uh, less than fond of, let's say. I haven't, I haven't kept up to date
1: with it. I, I, I'm halfway through the Kanye one at the minute. Mm I was listening to that today. Um, but I, I mean, I've seen the stories about the, the Spotify, um, you know, whatever's going on over there. I don't know. I I, I haven't looked into it. I haven't indulged in it. I kind of just listen to podcasts and, and kind of get on my life really.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. Probably helps you stay sane. Yeah. Um, have you paid attention just out of curiosity? Um, have you paid attention much to, to what's going on in, in the US or you kind of stay out of it in general?
1: It's hard. It's hard not to, to see, it, not it, with yeah. everything that's happened, to be honest. I mean, this year has been a crazy year, hasn't it, in, yeah. in regards to everything. Um, but yeah, it's hard not to uh, pay attention when it's everywhere, you know, whether it be the, the Black Lives Matter stuff, whether it be the election election mm-hmm. stuff, obviously today. Yeah. Um, it's either on my Twitter feed or on my news feed every single day. So yeah, I'd say I'm fairly clued up, but I don't the, the hard hitting stories or the the controversial ones that I choose usually not to read too much into it because i don't I don't want to care for example about the Trump versus Biden stuff I don't mm-hmm. actually want to care I just kind of see it I'll read headlines and things like that and kind of just go on with it after you know
0: yeah real quick and then, and then we'll move on but do you have I'm just curious because you know you obviously don't live in the United States so do you have a general um, sort of feeling that you get from either yourself or your friends about like how they view the US at the moment?
1: Uh, I'd say most British people see it as a bit crazy all over the place. Um, the kind of general consensus over here is just what is going on, you know, but <laughs> that, I, think that's that, fair. <laughs> I think that you guys probably think the same thing sometimes. Um, yeah. It just seems like, the stories get very um they they get intensified i think for the for the headlines so well i don't i don't think that america is is going crazy but it from an outsider looking in it looks like it because of the way that they word the stories it just it all seems a bit crazy but again like i said before that's 2020 this year isn't it it's just it's a bit of a mad year
0: yeah it's been yeah, it's been nuts, that's for sure, um, especially with with COVID and stuff. You guys are going back into lockdown, aren't, aren't you?
1: Sadly, yes. As of tomorrow, we, uh, we are back into lockdown.
0: Was it um, a spike, spike in cases from reopening? Yeah, it seems
1: like the spike came from when they reopened the schools, which seems weird because they're not closing the schools again. We're going back into lockdown, but schools are staying open. Hmm. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: No, that's interesting. I didn't know that you guys had opened the schools. Here they're still they're still virtual, so we we did kind of the opposite of you guys. I know you guys weren't allowing fans into like the Premier League or, or those games. We are, but you guys reopened your schools and we didn't. It's very odd.
1: Yeah, I I don't I personally don't understand it. I don't get why why we're reopening schools. I don't I, the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. But again, we I think we're in a similar boat to you we don't have any kind of consistency when it comes to who's running our country and, and what decisions they're making. So, you know, closing everything bar schools makes no sense because schools are clearly the, the factor to why the cases have spiked. You know, we have 30 kids in a classroom without masks on, of course, if one kid has COVID all 30, you're going to get it, you know? yeah, definitely. But, so it's never made sense. I've always been uh, an advocate. I think online schooling at the moment is probably the best solution to kind of fight the COVID-19 stuff but
0: mm-hmm. it's, it's working okay over here it depends on the teacher's age the younger ones are coping okay because they grew up with the technology but the older ones not so much they're struggling some
1: yeah I can imagine um, so
0: yeah so it's a little bit difficult but you know hopefully hopefully we'll get through it here and there um, so for you you've made a name for yourself in the, the, the FIFA industry I guess you could say um you have know, a platform with last time I checked, I think what hundred fifty uh hundred and fifty thousand subs on, on YouTube. Is that accurate? That is, yeah Um that is so like when you sit back and think about it, especially for for our channel just starting out, we have like 37. Um, to grow from because we were talking beforehand, you just put up like trick shots on, on Call of Duty or whatever, and you were just posting and then all of a sudden it kinda grew and grew and grew into this. What's what's that journey been like for you from just kind of fooling around on Call of Duty to where you are now where you're streaming you got a schedule and and you got all this other stuff going on?
1: Um it it's a weird one. It goes very quickly and then when you get to a point where it's become a full-time job and it's a full-time commitment, then you look back and you think to yourself, how did that even get how did it even come around? Um I don't think there's ever a day where the day before it was a hobby and the day after it was a job i don't think there was ever that that switchover period it just kind of transitioned gradually into that um, but it's been a very it's been a very up and down uh journey i think is definitely the way to describe it I think YouTube in general going through youtube ranks it's uh it's definitely up and down it definitely has its peaks and has its has its disadvantages and I think that um I think most people have the same kind of journey when they go through it in the sense that it, you, you can never like, you don't know what's happened the day after and you kind of just, you kind of just, it kind of just happens. Everything kind of just mm-hmm. falls onto your plate at once. And it kind of just kind of just going through it as if, as if you're a, are I don't know. You're going for a, a normal job, I guess. I don't know. You kind of just climb the ranks, but it's probably just a bit quicker than a normal job. You don't get promoted yeah. the day after. Um, but yeah, there was never, there was never a time where I realized one day, okay, well tomorrow this becomes a full-time job, you know, and I'd, I'd only really worked one job. So it was never a case of, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go and pursue YouTube full-time. It kind of just happened as it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, yeah, the journey, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird one to describe, um, especially when I mean when I started my when I first ever started posting on YouTube, I think I was about ten years old. Mm-hmm. And to kind of grow up doing it, um, when I started when I started the It's Haver channel and started posting FIFA content, I think it was around fifteen, sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I had no idea what I was doing, to be honest. Um, and here we are.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Five well, years did, later, six years later.
0: Did you just kind of see see some other videos and you were like, oh, I could do that, that looks like fun, and then you just started from there. Kind of. Um, when I was in
1: school, uh, all my friends played FIFA mm-hmm. and I always played the most FIFA out of everyone else. So people would come to me in school and be like, hey, who should I buy? Who's the best player you've used? Who? Mm-hmm. How do I finish off this squad? Um, how, how am I getting better at the game? So I would just give people advice in, in my school, at like my friends. I'd just be like, okay, buy this guy or try this guy or try this formation. And over time, I realized that's kind of just what, other YouTubers are doing on YouTube. They're making the videos, teaching people how to play the game and the best tactics and the best players to use. And I was like, I might as well give give it a go. Post some yeah. videos, try it out, and and see how it goes. Because I was watching videos every day anyway. Mm-hmm. I was watching the likes of, as you mentioned, Nepenthes and and AJ Three and people like that. So I just decided to kind of give it a go, and and it seems to be working out at the minute.
0: Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Um... <laughs> so when you 're describing your journey, you talked a lot about ups and downs what What, what did you mean by by that um, so a, a couple
1: of years ago, uh, I went from FIFA to trying to, trying to be a Fortnite channel when Fortnite be- became so popular, mm-hmm. became very good at the game, so I thought I would try and do the same thing I did with FIFA, but with Fortnite didn't work out and almost pretty much killed off my channel completely i got very lucky that i got a second wind with fifa and managed to kind of ride that wave mm-hmm. after but yeah for trying to become a Fortnite channel almost almost the end of it <laughs> almost killed the channel completely
0: yeah so is that is that something like you make um, you make that decision did you do that because you liked Fortnite better than fifa or were you trying to ride the wave of Fortnite or just trends or kind of how how does that if you if you're sitting there and and you make the decision like hey you know I'm gonna try being a Fortnite youtuber now like what what sort of uh information or thoughts go into a decision like that
1: um it was kind of a bit of it was a mixture really uh definitely wanted to try and ride the hype the hype was unbelievable at the time it was it was like we'd never seen before Mm. um alongside the fact that i was massively enjoying fortnite more than fifa and i was really good at the game and i thought that those three factors would theoretically propel a a channel that's just starting out i was seeing the likes of ninja and people like that exploding because of the game and i thought you know obviously i'm never going to get on that scale but if i can Provide the same level of content as providing on FIFA. Maybe with the growth of the game, the growth of the channel will come. And about six to eight weeks down the line, it just didn't happen. Uh, yeah. it, it didn't take off. I had one video that did really well, and then the rest of them just did not take off. Um, and I kind of found myself at a loss for content. I found myself at a loss for the channel. I was the the, the views just weren't there, and and that's when I realised that. My kind of my thing was FIFA on YouTube, and and, and you know I ca- you can't build an audience on FIFA and then just switch to Fortnite and expect it to work. So I decided then, after after doing Fortnite for so long, I decided then to switch back to FIFA. But to answer your question, I don't think there was ever a thought process that went into it that I thought, okay, I'm going to switch now. It, it was almost like how growth works on YouTube, where mm-hmm. kinda, it kind of just happened. You know, I posted a Fortnite video. Randomly, and and kind of just then posted another one. Then another one. It was never, I never intentionally was going to just quit FIFA for Fortnite, but that kind of just happened. Then Mm -hmm. I realized that it just wasn't working. So that's when I decided to stop doing Fortnite on the channel and just go straight back to FIFA.
0: Yeah, I feel like some of that has to do with you enjoying the game that you're playing as well. Like you don't want to be producing content for a game you're not enjoying. I hear that all the time towards the the back end of the FIFA game cycle where people are like, oh, it's boring. I don't even like playing this game anymore. Let me post yeah. PUBG or H1Z1 or whatever. And so if you're not enjoying it, then it's almost like, what's what's the point? A little bit. I don't, do you, have, you, have you felt yeah, that? Yeah,
1: I definitely. But I think, I don't know if that's the actual game itself or that's from coming from playing a game for eight hours a day for a year. Um, yeah. you know when you when you're when you're streaming FIFA every day for the entire game cycle you know when when the off period of FIFA happens in the summer, I think that's when people realize that they're just fatigued from the game and they're they're exhausted the game and they when they try a different game and it's so fresh and new mm-hmm. it will feel like FIFA has been the worst thing in the world that you've played for the last year but I, I don't think I think in in this sort of this time and in the next few months when FIFA is booming I think people enjoy it I, I don't think people hate FIFA uh, I just think that when you get to a point where you've played it for the last year you kind of you want anything new to come onto your plate to play you know yeah
0: definitely that makes sense I, I get that way with with FIFA as well obviously I don't play as as much as you um, but there are definitely times where I like you know I'm gonna play 2k this weekend instead of playing weekend league and getting upset with the game for whatever yeah. whatever cheese happens. Um, <laughs> but I was talking to, to one of my friends um, from from college. He, so I've only played Ultimate Team last year and, and this year. Um, but my friend had an account, and we would like kind of share the account or whatever going back to 14 or 15. Um, and then when Foot Champs was introduced, it seemed like there was a shift in – the community and and kind of how EA would interact with the community. I remember in fifteen when they had the tournaments mode, we would mm. just have fun and play tournaments. And if we lost, we lost, and it was whatever. But now it's like if you lose a game in champs, you like it feels like you take the hit so much harder. Have you noticed that uh, that sort of shift as well? And do you know sort of why EA wants to do that? Or have you, have you have you have you do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Um, I there's definitely been a shift. I do agree. I I think there has been a shift. I think that. With the introduction of Foot Champions, they've created this this toxic environment now where the, the rank you achieve defines you as a FIFA player mm-hmm. and every loss that you then take feels like a personal attack because you're, you're not getting closer to achieving that rank that then defines you as a FIFA player. Mm-hmm. So I think that, unfortunately, the introduction of competitive game modes has forced players to take the game way more personally and to it's created a a community that is way more toxic because of that because everyone thinks that oh if i hit elite this weekend then i'm going to get more respect as a player and it doesn't make sense because it doesn't mean shit at the end of the day it doesn't matter if you're an elite player or you're a silver player like who actually cares at the end of the day but unfortunately it has created this environment and I don't know if EA wanted to create it, but we're at a stage now where they can't go back. They, they mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's impossible that if they take out rewards from any game mode, no one's going to play it. Yeah. Uh, and if they if they remove the competitive nature of the game, it will unfortunately make the game incredibly boring. After it's kind of become this massive competitive uh, sweat fest, really. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they can take it back. Uh, I don't think they meant it to get to here, but it has. And, you know, they do need to take responsibility for that.
0: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly for sure. The community itself is kind of, we were put in a position where, like you said, if rewards aren't there anymore, nobody wants to play. And I'm sure after games and and champs, you've received all sorts of nasty messages from from people before. Um, But it just doesn't create, like, you want a game like that to be fun um mm-hmm. and you definitely hear people like saying no it's not fun like on nepo's road to glory road to glory last year he was like i'm gonna play champs every weekend and i think he played like three times yeah and he was like yeah i just don't want to play anymore um and you don't and Tex, i think either last year or two years ago at whatever event he was at and he after he won he was like nobody likes his game anymore mm-hmm. um it's it's interesting because you hear everybody say those things, and then yet at the end of the day, as soon as EA releases something new, everybody's like, oh, look at this new card I'm going to play for another eight hours. As this weird sort of love-hate relationship, I think, that the community has with, with EA. Um, do you, And obviously, I only see it from the standpoint of watching you guys create the content, but for you as a content creator, do you get? do you feel that as well, or is some of it just like, I need to get a video out today and people are asking me about this card. So I'm going to do it.
1: Um, they, there is definitely an element of just trying to get a video out and just trying to pump out some content. But I think even for content creators, I think there's a level of addiction that goes into this game. And as much as I'd like to try and pinpoint what that addiction is, I, I, I don't really know. I, cause I'm the same. I will be one day I'll be absolutely sick and tired of FIFA and the next day, a brand new shiny card comes out and I mm-hmm. want to go and play 30 games a weekend league. It, it doesn't make sense. But then again, addiction doesn't. Um, I think that there is an addicting nature to FIFA that brings people back and makes people want to play constantly more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's the idea of upgrading the team or achieving a better reward, or maybe that's packs that are addicting. I'm not entirely sure, but there is, there is this weird pull that brings people back and it, it does the same thing for me. Um, so, and, and I don't know how they've done it, but EA have somehow roped everyone in and they continue to do it every single time.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a little bit scary, honestly. Um, but I think the packs definitely are, are one of it. I think, um, the, the gambling sort of aspect to that and people are addicted to gambling. It's, it's a pretty self-explanatory one, but I think part of it is the, the fear of missing out. And then if you don't get the rewards that week that your team is now all of a sudden falling behind the the power curve, so to speak. Um, and I think that's that's a big part of it. Cause you see players get released and you're like you or whoever's doing a player review will be like, oh, they're behind the power curve or they're past the power curve or whatever. I think that, that could be a part of it as well. Like you don't wanna miss out on whatever that player is even though at the end of the game you go through the stats and you're like, "Well, wow, I played with this player for four games," it's yeah. like, "What was even? What was even the point?" But they still have created this sort of cycle that you feel like you need need to get the player, like because you might need it later. They've done that with objectives as well. Like last year with the first owner objectives, they were they created this so like people were like, "Yeah, I need to get this player."
1: Yeah, um, I think that they. They definitely create that kind of illusion that that makes you think that you are you are. It's a necessity to to obtain the players. I think there might be a a level of. I think a lot of people think that like the idea that they're building something. You know, they're Mm -hmm. building their club, and it's like they're building the foundations, and they're they're constantly improving the club. And whilst I like that, and I think that's quite an innocent uh, an innocent way to look at it, I do think that. When it boils down to it, I just think that EA have done a good job of making people feel like they need to come back to the game and they need because, you know, it's almost like the their club is a plant and they need to come and water it every day. You know, they need to Mm -hmm. spend their hour or two hours on the game every day, they need to play their 30 games a weekend league a weekend. And if they don't, like you said, the idea of missing out or or the idea that they've not put in the time to grow their club. As if they should have this week, and it, it, when it re- when you really kind of uncover the shell, you, no one needs to do, spend any time on the game. It's, no. it's just it's literally just a game, and it's just it's just a foot club. And if you spend if you spend a week off the game and you enjoy that week, you don't need to go back and put two more weeks into it of hard grinding to get back to where you were. You really don't. But mm. again, EA have created this ecosystem and this entity where if you don't build on it every single day you do have that fear of missing out and you do have the fear that you've not put your your two hours a day into the game it it's a very strange ecosystem ecosystem they've built but it works so well for them for selling games and for selling packs and for selling everything really
0: it does i have one one thought on on the, the the need to like water the plant like you said do you think that you guys as content creators have just like a little bit to do with that. I feel like people watch you guys and, and they say, Oh, Haber has all of these things. Let me go do something like that. Maybe not for the older, for the older people that watch you, but for the, for the younger ones, do you think there's any, um, any, do you think that holds any water or, or not so much?
1: Um, I think it's, I think there is definitely, there is definitely influence um, from people like myself or the content creators when it comes to the content we create. I think that things, for example, pack openings, I think everyone wants to be able to open unlimited packs Mm -hmm. on the game, right? And everyone wants to be able to use the full icon squads and the best squads possible. And it's not a realistic or or achievable goal for 99.9% of players that play the game. So I think that it's almost the, the glamorous second side of the game watching someone like myself rip open a thousand pounds of packs because Mm -hmm. they know they can't do it but Mm -hmm. they want to see what it's like and i think that also does encourage players to want to do it even more and the people that can afford to do it or the, the people that can achieve that goal it may encourage them to to pursue it um which i think then puts a burden of of the the need to be honest about what it's like to achieve that certain goal and to put a ton of money into the game um Mm -hmm. so i'll i'll show for example the bad packs i'll show i'll show a weekend of weekendly rewards where we get absolutely nothing it's a terrible Mm -hmm. weekend so um but i do think that there is definitely encouragement that comes from content creators um and and how we play the game Uh, but i also think that it i i don't think it's just content creators, but I think it's the community in general that have created this, this, um, circle of, of almost respect. Like if you're a road to glory, for example, and you're mm-hmm. zero money spent and you have a great team, you earn this, this strange, uh, subsufficient medal from people that, right. where, where, you know, you've got this badge of honor that you've, you've created something by spending zero money on a game mm-hmm. or if you achieve this rank without spending it, you know, you, you, you gain this respect. So I think that whilst there is definitely encouragement that comes from content creators, I think there is also the weird circle jerk within the community where they love to give out respect to people for, for achieving what other content creators do without spending money or for without spending the hours on the game, you know? So yeah. I think it works hand in hand really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it, it's weird because the comments also like the comment sections and the viewers also have a part to play. And like you said, the road to glory with no money spent is as soon as if if you were doing that and you, and you put five, five pounds or $5 on the game, the comments would be, it's not for, it's not for, it's not like free to play anymore. Like this Mm -hmm. doesn't even count. It's all invalid, even though realistically that five pounds got you one premium gold pack in which you probably packed someone worth 600 coins yeah and so it's a weird sort of um like the the comments versus the the content creators and then EA itself um but do you feel any sort of um res- like responsibility that when you're creating content to to make sure it's like Hey, don't spend this much money on the game if you can't afford it. Or like, or is that just kind of like who you are as a person that you're going to show them like the bad stuff as well?
1: Um, there is definitely a, a level of responsibility uh, that you that you take on as a content creator. Um, I think the the biggest issue is that EA have created a game that is pay to win, and, and and it's a game where. Uh, microtransactions are so prevalent and make such an amount of money for them that they really, they advertise it so it, there's almost a level of, of, I don't even need to say it sometimes because people say it for me and and, and people uh, do the work for me in the sense that they expose EA for shady advertisements and they, they uh, point out how terribly unworth it packs are mm-hmm. um, but You know, if I have somebody watching a stream and I go and spend 36,000 FIFA points and, you know, they're thinking, oh, they might put in chat, you know, should I open a a 100K pack? I'll always tell them no because ultimately it isn't worth it regardless. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also do remind people that they can kind of do what they want with their money. You know, if, if you can afford it and you have the spare cash, you have $80 to spend on the game and that's what you want to do, don't feel the pressure or the, the hatred from other people for, for spending on the game because they don't. And I think that whilst uh, as a content creator, I am responsible for making it clear that if you can't afford it and, and you're, you you do not have the money or you're trying to use your parents' credit card or something, definitely do not. Yeah. I also feel like the responsibility to remind people not to be rude, negative, or toxic to people that are choosing to spend their money on what they want to spend it on, because mm-hmm ultimately both both are wrong in my opinion judging someone for spending some money on FIFA in their spare time
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't think I think it's unfair on that person just because they want to play with their favorite player you know yeah um, and at the same time someone that that's maybe in debt or has a, an addiction to gambling already and is thinking about spending money on FIFA points is absolutely my responsibility to make sure they don't or to, to, to point them in the right direction
0: anyway mmm does that weigh on you at all that responsibility do you ever are you ever like oh I I should have said this thing differently or in Mm. in in terms of this or you kind of just you kind of have I don't want to say come to peace but you understand like what you're doing and and you know that you're consistent throughout your videos and and the message that you're sending out in terms of this this issue specifically
1: I would say I I don't lose sleep over it Mm -hmm. um if there are I, I don't, maybe I, I don't advocate enough at times that it, that, that, you know, for, for, for the people that obviously can't afford it or for the people that, that spending money on the game would be a, have a negative impact on their livelihood. You know, I, I maybe don't advocate enough to stay away. And of course I know that, that spending a lot on, on videos and stuff is absolutely going to be an encouragement to some, mm-hmm. I any opportunity given will uh, let people know that it's absolutely not worth it yeah. um and especially on the streams the youtube videos not so much the youtube videos i think the content on youtube the content that does well on youtube is is glamour glamorifying the packs you know showing showing yeah. getting a great icon or something that's what brings in views um mm-hmm. But on a on a Twitch stream, something that's way more raw, that's very personal, and something that's that's just more me, I will say at least once a stream if I open packs to not do it. You know, I'll I'll let people know it's definitely not worth it. Um, it, it, It's a difficult one though because I also feel that at times, if I'm going to shed a negative light on on the con, like if if I was to go around telling people how terrible packs are, you know, don't spend money on packs, don't open Mm -hmm. packs at all. I also would expect those people to then stop watching my content, so it's sure. a hard, it's, it's a, a hard, balance. Yeah, it, it's kind of a battle. It's kind of a moral versus ethical battle, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, should I should I tell people every day on Twitter not to open packs, to never give EA money? They're the devil, and then possibly risk losing them as viewers, or mm-hmm. do I just wait until somebody asks me the question before I answer it?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a tough one. I can see how see how that's a tough one i want to switch a little bit um just to how your kind of daily or like your your routine now that you've become a full-time youtuber slash, slash streamer but but first do you enjoy making youtube videos or streaming more
1: Ooh, that is a tough question um i enjoy the interaction i get on twitch more uh it's it's more of a personal conversation but I also enjoy the fact that on YouTube you don't have to put in six or seven hours a day to create content that's enjoyable for people you know on YouTube Mm -hmm. I can crack out a video in in an hour and a half two hours yeah um whereas on Twitch you know if I want to try and connect with everyone I'm I'm doing a six hour shift sometimes or Mm -hmm. or a three hour shift sometimes so I think that they both have their advantages. I don't know if I prefer either one of them. I think I think they're both great, um, and I think that depending on the day, you know, one day I might think that I'm I'm, I'm enjoying Twitch more, and the other day enjoying YouTube more. It's kind yeah. of a it, it's kind of a, a battle between them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So when you're um, so you're when you stream, was it kind of going off like the the speaking to the camera, almost like you're speaking to nobody. Um, sort of aspect of, of YouTube was that difficult for you to get to get used to um, like commenting or commentating on on your videos or or doing live commentary or like when you're playing um, being able to talk to talk to the chat or anything like that because I know when I'm playing I I would have to get used to being able to talk to somebody whilst playing at the same time. Like right now, if I was playing a weekend league game, there is no way, there's no way I would be able to live, live comment for a YouTube video at all. Um, I would say it's not so hard. The
1: adjustment period is not, not that hard for being able to talk while she play. Mm. I think the hardest part is trying to stop the, the poor parts of my personality from coming through. I think everyone has, Parts of themselves that aren't exactly camera friendly. You know, yeah, yeah. So you know, get like I, I will get frustrated at games very easily, and and become a toxic mess after three losses in a row, <laughs> and <laughs> that is exactly what I don't want to put onto Twitch, but sometimes can't help it. And I think the adjustment period of weeding out the negative aspects of my personality were the hardest part for streaming. And and to be honest, a part that I still haven't mastered, I still let out the, you know, I'll still be toxic or salty after, after a loss, or I'll still play on tilt or stream on tilt after, you know, something happens in the game. So they're definitely the hardest part. I don't think it's too hard transitioning into just to be able to commentate live for a longer period of time over, over games, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's more so, you kind of just be yourself on Twitch. Yeah. Whereas on YouTube, it's kind of 20 minutes of, of putting on a personality for the camera. And then you just, you're editing it and you kind of just sit back in your chair and you're not projecting your voice anymore and you're kind of, you're done with it. So with, with Twitch, it's almost just the same as how it is now where I'm just, I'm literally just talking like a normal human being and I'm, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not in YouTuber mode. Um, but that also means that I will, I will let, let through those uh, negative parts of the personality and times.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you, um, have you noticed in your, your sort of battle to control, uh, those we'll say un uncamera camera friendly parts of your personality, have you noticed that translate to life outside of the industry when you're just with your friends or your family or that sort of thing? Have you, have you noticed over the, over the years that you've been able to like stay cool headed more in the situation where you, where you might have like five years ago, you would have blown up at something or have you noticed that at all
1: to be honest it's never something that's really came through with day-to-day life um on a game for example when i'm streaming it's kind of something where as i'm sat on my own in a room and seeing a chat go by and you know seeing the odd person put something stupid that that may put me on tilt whilst i'm playing Mm -hmm. a game or something that they're the only only things really that that will cause say for example if i get toxic at a video game or or mm. if i get uh, you know if if something puts me on tilt i've ne- I never really experienced those in day to day life because you don't have people come up to you in the street saying the dumb shit they say online you know the, yeah, people can hide behind a dumb profile picture and you know they can say something stupid online and then not really feel the consequences so mm-hmm. it's never really something i've had to deal with personally uh it's only when i started becoming a content creator like you really kind of see the stupid side of the internet and the stupid side of of, of how people can be, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's definitely one of the the factors that lead to to looking like an asshole online yourself yeah. as, a, as a creator, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. I had a probably a couple months ago, maybe a year ago, almost. I had deleted Twitter off my phone just entirely because I was tired of it and mm-hmm. I felt. Definitely a lot better. Um, I have it back now and I've been able to sort of put a self time limit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever feel those days where you kind of need to just like detach from, from all of it? Like, and if you do, do you have a video plan from beforehand like scheduled for that day or, or how does that kind of, how does that work for you? Um,
1: I, yeah, I definitely have those days. Um, to be honest, I would say have at least one moment a day where I read something, I'm just thinking, what the fuck? why am I still on this platform? Um, but like a lot of the times I'll take a half day off or a day off. Uh if if it's really something that's getting to me, like there truly the worst times have actually been just during the lockdown. Um the lock the first lockdown in the UK sent people absolutely crazy and mm. people were getting so angry because they're locked inside all day that they were taking up their rage on people online and they were mm. going after people like myself and other content creators or they were just going after each other and people became psychopaths on twitter and, and places like that so um i definitely felt more to the point where i was sick of it during lockdown because it was it was hard to go online and read negative message after negative message constantly every single day Um, but when I do that, I I've developed a thick skin now, so it's, Mm -hmm. it doesn't affect me as much, but yeah, there'll be times where I just, I close Twitter or I'll close it on my phone. I'll turn my phone off and, and usually I'll just go watch a movie or I'll go to the gym or I'll do something that takes my mind off of, uh, off of social media and I'll come back feeling more refreshed and, and, and back to create content, or I'll just take a day off completely and, and just kind of do my own thing for the day.
0: Yeah, That's good that you have the mental sort of awareness to to know when you need to do that and kind of what works for you to to get out of that negative funk, let's say. Um, but from a day to day sort of grind for you, what what does that what does that look like for you? Like you get up in the morning, and or or you get up at, in the middle of the night as Curbs <laughs> has been doing. Um, what does um, that, what's that look like for you? It, honestly,
1: it depends on the week. Mm -hmm. At the moment, so the last few days, I'll get up around half six, seven in the morning. Um, I will go for a walk, uh, usually around a mile or two, uh, just around my local area, get some fresh air and get some steps in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I'll get home, watch a couple episodes of something on Netflix and play a video game whilst I eat some breakfast. Um, I I play a bit of League of Legends nowadays Mm -hmm. uh, in my free time. So I'll play some of that whilst I'm watching some on Netflix and have some breakfast uh then i'll grab a shower and stream in the morning um i'll then probably end the stream in the afternoon get some lunch um and either make the video for the evening or have some free time uh sometimes i'll go to the gym or i'll just i'll just uh spend it you know in 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 the room just kind of chilling uh and then i'll probably go live again uh in the evening time see what ea drop at 6 p.m make a video on that and uh and then i've got the the night to myself again uh to to play games or to either if we go to the gym in the night time or to do whatever really
0: sure do you enjoy having the ability to make your own schedule like instead of being like when you were in school you had a very set or like your first job that you mentioned you had a, a set like come work from this time to this time do you enjoy that more it honestly
1: yes and no um i very much miss having a set routine because I think it gives a lot of discipline to to the lifestyle that you live, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a big fan of setting a routine and and living by the same routine every day because I like the the positive kind of mental effect it has on you because you know what you're doing every day and you know where you have to be, um, but I also would not be able to go back to a job where I have to get up at the exact same time every day. And I have to be here at the exact same time because I've got to a point now where, you know, if I, if I'm feeling tired, I'll go back to bed for half an hour. Or I'll, Mm -hmm. if, you know, I can, I can delay doing this for 20 minutes. If I'm, if I'm doing something, you know, like having the freedom to be able to change plans Mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, but also, yeah, I do like having a routine um, just because I like kind of knowing what I'm doing every day.
0: Yeah. I I think a lot of people, that was sort of one of the things that when lockdown first started, when they didn't have to, their routines were changed. I think obviously besides the fact that they're all locked inside, I think that was one of the big things that that really threw people, uh, threw people off uh, at least initially. Um, But I know like, working from home now I'm able to kind of do the same thing that that you are. Like if I know I don't have meetings, I'm able to go to the gym or or go to training or or something like that or Mm -hmm. shift stuff around. So I definitely enjoy it more as well. Cause if I'm sitting in in my office and I have a slow day, I'm just sitting there doing nothing, but Mm -hmm. now I'm able to go off and do other things like this podcast for instance. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man, this, I think it takes a certain type of person to, to really thrive in an environment where you are totally f- like you have the total freedom to do kind of whatever you want. And you gotta, you have to have the discipline to continue to make sure that you have a, a livelihood in, in both of our cases. So um, onto real life football, your Manchester United actually, before we get there, I saw on Twitter. I think you posted something that you, you've been at the gym a lot recently, and you've lost lost a bunch of weight. Is that
1: yes? Yeah, is that have Been on a fitness grind recently, yeah.
0: So first of all, congratulations. But second of all, um, how sort of how has that journey been for you?
1: Um, not as hard as people make out. When people say it is, to mm-hmm. be pr- completely honest and almost brutally honest, really, a lot of people don't take those steps because either they think it's a lot of work or they don't know how to start and i think that um one thing i've really kind of learned is that it honestly isn't that hard Mm -hmm. i'm not out there running 10 miles a day and and training like an athlete and eating you know a slice of bread every day and that you know like i'm i'm still eating normally as I ever, as I, I did, I'm just eating the right foods. You know, I'm I'm still, I feel full every day and I don't go to bed hungry. You know, Mm. I, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, working myself into an early grave in the gym or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm doing workouts, but I, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling tired after it. So it honestly has been a lot easier than I thought. It's probably been one of the best things I've ever done because the physical and mental, kind of effects that it has fantastic i'd mm-hmm. recommend it to anyone um it also did help that that the my friend who is also my coach at the moment is just he, he seems to know everything about everything when it comes to fitness like he's, mm-hmm. he's doing it in university and he's he's absolutely crazy when it comes to it like he's dedicated his entire life to training and bodybuilding and things like that yeah. um but yeah no it's honestly it's been one of the best things i've ever done and if there's anyone listening that wants to get into it, honestly, it's not hard. It really isn't.
0: What changes did you make to your lifestyle? <sighs>
1: uh, I stopped having takeaways and fast food. That was that was definitely the biggest one. Um, the problem is all the food that's the best tasting food is terrible for you. Yeah. They, they get that's how they get you. So um, it was it was mainly kind of figuring out what foods taste good that are also that have a good macro split and that are also mm-hmm. low in calories. Um, that was the main one. And then it was also just getting the energy and the, the time to go to the gym, you know, and not putting it off and getting out and, you know, getting a walk in, getting some steps in um, that was the main, the main kind of lifestyle change was stopping being lazy Um, and I'll still be lazy every day but yeah of course yeah it's that weird feeling that there'll be times where I think uh, and and I I still get it I imagine you'll get it as well where you're sat in your chair and you couldn't imagine getting up and going to the gym like you feel tired and you you, you've had a long day and you could not imagine like going out and walking 5,000 steps but from going to being not being able to imagine to doing to actually doing it and taking that step to actually get up and go and do it is probably been the best part about it and and it really is life changing, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think diet is the biggest. Um, it's, it's so much more than the exercises. You can exercise all you want, but if you still eat like crap, you're you're gonna gain you're gonna gain the weight, and you're gonna be unhealthy. I had yeah. a similar, maybe not as as much because I've been playing football or soccer my whole life, um, but in college or university the food is not great and you go out and you drink every weekend. And so I, I put on some weight and once I cut out some of, some of that food, the weight just came off. I like, I noticed that I was feeling I like I had a lot more energy and it was easier to get up in the morning and go do things. I don't know if you've also noticed that.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the main thing is, is, you know, um, replacing for example instead of going having kfc cook some chicken breast you know mm. and, and and have it with the like i'll have a meal that's like 500 calories that is three times as much food as 500 calories of mcdonald's would be yeah um you know so like that's been the main thing just mixing a protein source with a carb source and having having some proper food as opposed to to getting a pizza or to to eating some trashy food that that is just absolutely terrible for you and it i you know two or three days of eating clean you f- literally feel clean your body feels mm-hmm. clean it, it feels like you're at, you're you're you know you, you're putting good stuff into your body you're actually fueling yourself so and it helps definitely with energy 100 yeah the, the, you have way more energy every yes. single day
0: the other thing i've noticed as well is I've been eating like, like you said, like the chicken and uh, like proper food for long enough now that when I go back and I eat something that's not like fast food, my body is like, what did you just put into my, yeah. into me right now? Yeah. Get it out. And you just, I'd feel horrible for like the next like couple hours or day or so. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it kind of just, your body's telling you like all the stuff that you were eating before, like not good, not good at all. Um but on to real life football. Your Manchester United has had a rough uh what four or five days?
1: Four or five years more well, like four or five oh. years,
0: yeah. That's that's true, since since Sir Alex left really. Um what is your so when when I watch United play, like when I watch them oh who did you guys Leipzig. Hmm. When I watch you play against Leipzig and then verse like the game at against Spurs um, a couple of weeks ago. It's like, there's two totally different teams, even though it's the same players, because you watch like Rashford and, and Martial and Greenwood and you're like, wow, they're really good. And then the next game, when they don't score, you're like, what happened to them? Like, do you, do you, I, I, would, I would assume you get that feeling as well, but what's your sort of take on the status of, of the club at, at the moment.
1: I would say that it has to be the most confusing time to be a Man United fan ever. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand how we've gone from, we, we start the season with two terrible losses. We mm-hmm. then go and beat PSG away, which is phenomenal. Great. Yeah. For it. It, was, it was a dominating performance as well. Like we actually mm-hmm. look like the better team. We come back and we lose six, one to Spurs. We then go and beat Newcastle four one, another dominating performance that I actually mm-hmm. thought we'd lose. We go on to beat Leipzig 5 0, and then we can't, we, we, we get trashed by Arsenal, and we can't beat Bashak. And it it makes no sense because, as you say, it is the same players and somewhat the same system, the same tactics, mm-hmm. and how they work one day and don't work the next. I don't know. I, I don't know it. I don't understand Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't understand his thought processes. Um, I'm sure you'll agree that Donny van de Beek has to be one of the best players that we have at the club right now in terms of how he plays on the pitch. Yeah, I love how him. he gets brought off after 45, 50 minutes or how he doesn't even get up, get to play in the games. It, it, it baffles me. I have no idea. Um I have no idea how we don't invest in defenders every year. I have I, it just is a confusing time. Well, I mean, you did invest affair.
0: in Harry Maguire for quite, uh, quite no. a sum of money. And what's, what's weird about him is when I watch him play, he has moments where I'm like, wow, he's really worth at least close to the price tag. And then mm-hmm. he has other moments where I'm like, what is he doing? And you you probably watch way closer than than I do. Um, but what is your... So I haven't paid much attention to, to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But what is your take on, on him? Do you think he just is flipping things around and trying different things? Or do you think the players aren't responding to him? Or do you think there's something else going on? Or like, like, what do you think?
1: If I had to put, if I had to, to put one thing down as to what he isn't at the club, I don't think that he's got the fear factor that Alex Ferguson had. Mm -hmm. and I don't think any manager has since then. Um, we had it like it was a different time. The The players genuinely feared the man. You didn't <laughs> cross Alex Ferguson, you played 110% every game, otherwise, mm. you feared what he'd do to you. Mm. Um, and I just don't think the likes of Paul Pogba are going into the dressing room scared of little Oregon and Solskjaer. You know, they're not scared that he of what he's going to do, they know that the, the higher ups at the club are going to overrule him, you know, Paul Pogba's yeah. never going to sit out for five games in a row, it's not going to happen, you know, he's ne- that's never happening because no matter what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thinks, the the Glazers are going to tell him to play Paul Pogba or he's gone so mm. I think that until we can get a stone cold certified manager that the players fear that the, the board backs I don't think we stand a chance at improving and I don't blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I just don't think that he has i don't I don't think I think the odds are stacked against him. I don't think that he has the ability to turn that club into anything because it's he's not in charge he, yeah. he might be the manager, but he we all know he's not in charge, and we all know he's not making the decisions. you know it's the board right. that are making the decisions and he's just kinda being the person that everyone blames so it, it it's a tough one um but i I don't think that anytime soon we're going to see any change with this club or or how we play football or where are we finish in the table. I just think we're doomed for, until the Glazers sell the club, really. I think we're doomed until then.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that must be tough because you're kind of just sitting there waiting for hoping that one day they they sell the club. It almost makes, um, I feel like you would almost be happy then that you didn't spend the money on Jaden Sancho if if the club is still in the predicament that it's in. Like, I don't think having Sancho would turn you guys from where you are now into title, like to catching Liverpool, for instance.
1: No, I agree. No one player will do that. I think that if we want to turn our club from a, you know, every other season we finish in top four Mm -hmm. uh, to a, a club that is battling for the title, it would require a new board, a new manager. And I would say half a new team. Maybe even eight or nine new players in the team Mm -hmm. that would that that are who the manager thinks would work for the system. Like you look at Jurgen Klopp, and he you know they didn't throw him half a billion dollars to buy a new team, but over Mm the the three or four years that he he was growing as a manager and growing the club, he was every summer buying two or three new players that fit his system. You know they Mm -hmm. they bought him Van Dijk and Salah, and then they buy him Mane and Firmino, and and he's gradually building a team that fits the system that he knows will win him games and win him titles and and to be fair to him he's gone and smashed it and he he yeah. he's he's got a philosophy where you know Liverpool players want to play for him. I don't think that we have the same thing at Man United. I don't think there's a single player that thinks that they want to impress Allegri and Solskjaer but you look at Klopp and you see the relationship he has with with you know the the Salah, the Mane, Van mm-hmm. Dijk. They all love him. They all want to to play from they want to get results for him and they want him to be happy and I don't think that we get that in the current position we're in I don't think we ever get that kind of relationship from player to manager and it sucks but it's true
0: yeah definitely Klopp was the same way at Dortmund I'm a Dortmund fan so I've been following Klopp for for quite some time he was the same way at Dortmund even when when Goethe was young and Kago was, was there and Lewandowski was there Homels, when he was younger and they made that run to the Champions League uh, final they were all the same and you on that team on paper, you wouldn't really say should have been there at the time, Mm -hmm. but they, but he knew the system. He had the players that he wanted for his system. And he's transferred that to to Liverpool with a, a bigger budget. And you look at the players he's brought in at Liverpool, like Firmino and Mane, he brought them in on bar. I think Mane was like 35 mil or something like that. And Firmino, Firmino 25 or 30 mil. And you look at them now and they're worth like, 80, 90, 100 million. Mm-hmm. And it's based on their improvement as a, as a team and his ability to get the best out of his players. And I don't know that there's a lot of managers in the world like him, to be no, honest.
1: No, I'd say he's probably the world's best at the minute. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's always been that debate between him and Pep, mm-hmm. but I would say Pep's always gone to a complete team, or at least from my, from my point of view, I'd say Pep... Walks into a team that is that is pretty much completed, and if it's not, then he gets the huge amount of money he needs to complete the team. Yeah. Whereas Klopp has built that team from the ground up. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. start with Van Dyke. He didn't, and when he bought Van Dyke, Van Dyke wasn't Van Dyke. You know, he yeah. was he was the the great Dutch centre back from from Southampton. But I would say that when Liverpool bought Van Dijk I would say that he was at the same level then that Ake is now having just gone to City mm-hmm. you know in, in a few years Ake could become great but in a few year, in you know a couple of years Van Dijk became the best centre back in the entire world you know Ballon, Ballon d'Or contender and, and, mm-hmm. and you know player of the year winner and things like that so um, it, it's one of those where he has built that from the ground up whereas Pep kind of walks into that already built system yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say Klopp's probably best best manager in the world. I don't think that there is many that can re- recreate that. And, and you know, he's probably going to be a one in a in a ten year, twenty year period. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we see another another success story like that for a while. As much yeah. as I wish it was only going to Solskjaer, it's not going to be. Yeah.
0: One second, let me plug my laptop in. Um, so do you have like a? On your wish list, if you had somebody that was gonna come in to United and, and be the manager, Klopp not including Klopp as I'm sure he's gonna well the Liverpool United rivalry and and I'm sure he's quite happy where he is, but do you have somebody in that that you would want to take that to take that job?
1: I like Simeone. Mm-hmm. I think that he is a really good manager. Um, and he'd definitely be one that I would I would like to be considered. Um, I like the guy at Leipzig. I forget his name now. Nagelsmann. Um, that's the guy, yeah. I like him. I think that he, he's he got a good style. But I also, I would genuinely like to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have another year or two at the club mm-hmm. with actual backing because we've gone through five managers in six years and it's it's frustrating. You know, I actually wish we'd have kept hold of Mourinho when we had him because... Mm-hmm. You know, he he got a second place in his second year, and and whilst he didn't have a great third year, he never got the backing from yeah. the club or even the players. And I'd like to have seen a scenario play out where Mourinho stays for an extra year or two. He gets given that faith, and he tries to turn the club into the club of old. You know, because we I know he's definitely capable of doing it. He's one of the best managers that there's been, and mm-hmm. he's proven himself time and time again. So, uh, you know. I would love to see a a top tier manager come to the club, but also I'm so sick of this cycle where we get a manager, they do okay, they don't get backed, they have a poor season, they're sacked again. So Mm -hmm. it's almost bittersweet at the thought of a a, a new manager and and even one of the greats coming to the club, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. If my club was in, in that sort of cycle of managers all the time, I wouldn't be... Particularly happy with that either. So you can't, mm-hmm. I feel like you can't win like that because you're always changing tactics and, and systems, and especially once you get up to playing that that level of, of football, if you have one person missed the assignment, the whole team is the whole team is sunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you when you watch, like you can point it out who it was. Like, oh, Shaw missed that that run or that mark, or Pogba didn't track back, which happens way too often, but um but yeah so I I think have you watched the um the Tottenham Hotspur documentary on Amazon Prime I have yeah do you it seems to me like Jose after if he had had that sort of um, backing with or that rapport with the glaciers like he does with Daniel levy or that at least it looks like he does have that, he could have taken them somewhere because the team that you guys finished second with, um, on paper, that team was not that good. Mm-hmm. Do you do you agree with that sentiment, or or like do you do you watch him at Spurs and and wish that it had been different? And I, and I know you kind of just alluded to that a little bit, but like when you see the behind the scenes at at Spurs, is that like how you wish it was? At, how you wish it was there at United?
1: I would have liked to have seen him stay uh, for longer and I would have liked to have seen him backed. I think a lot of that Spurs documentary seems, it honestly seems a lot like they know the cameras are on and they're playing towards it. I I wouldn't imagine the relationship is as golden as it seems, but it definitely seems a lot better than it would have been at United. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that, that the United board gave him the respect that he deserved as a manager. Cause he's, you know, he's had champions league with Benfica and, Porto. you know, sorry, Porto. There you yeah. go. Benfica. Um, and he, you know, he, uh, he's won the premier league. God knows how many times, you know, mm-hmm. in his, in his two times with the Chelsea, uh, he's, he's achieved so much in his career that he deserved the respect to be given a budget and allowed to sign the plays that he wanted to sign and things like that um and we never gave him or the board never gave him the respect to do so so i wish that that he'd have been backed because they, I mean, we don't know how true they are, but there's reports mm-hmm. out there that he wanted this player, this this player, and that player, and they turned out to be incredible players, and and he saw the potential in them. Um, you know, I think that I saw a report once saying that he wanted Van Dyke before Liverpool got got him, and and yeah. he wanted Fernandinho before Man City got him, and things like that. And and you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But yeah. um, I would have loved to have seen Jose get the respect he deserves and and get an extra year or two. To really prove himself, um, and to have and to have that backing, but it didn't happen. I don't think that's going to happen for a manager ever. I'll be honest with you. Until the Glazers are gone, I think we're going to literally have this exact same cycle as my United football club for years. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be. I think Oli gets sacked by Christmas. I think Pochettino comes in. He probably gets the club fourth um, this season. We, you know, we'll probably we'll probably get to the quarterfinals maybe of the Champions League. Mm -hmm. um and then the year after we'll bring in two pr signings two players that are going to sell shirts Mm -hmm. that aren't necessary to the club and that that won't improve the club um then Poch will go out and get us you know 14th 12th in the premier league by christmas get sacked and we'll bring in the next tom dick and harry so unfortunately it's a never-ending cycle it's so frustrating but yeah. You
0: do? do you tip? Um, do you think Jose can can lead Spurs to Champions League, or maybe not? Obviously to the final, but into the top four and challenge for the the Premier League, maybe and and start if he gets another year or two. Do you think they have the squad to do that? I or- would
1: say I I think they have, I think they have the squad, and I think Jose's got the quality as a manager. Um, this season's going to be a weird one. It really mm-hmm. is going to be a weird season because, in my opinion, there's no outright winner of the Premier League right now. No. Um, it could be anyone. It could literally be anyone. And I think Spurs definitely have a great chance. Harry Kane is on form that I've never seen him on before. He is mm-hmm. a man possessed this season. And Jungman Son is is reaping the rewards of that. Um, you know they've got Bale now, and they've got they've got a solid squad, um, and they've got a squad way better than the squad that Poch got to the final of the Champions League a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. So. It's possible. I'd say that I would not write Spurs off to win the league or to go far in the Champions League. I I do wonder when, like I typically find with Mourinho, he has a crumble uh, period of the season where he has about four or five games where he like the the squad crumbles and his tactics crumble against teams you wouldn't expect it. Like, I wouldn't, I'd imagine, or I wouldn't be surprised, sorry, if in January, for example, they play, say, West Ham, Brighton, and Burnley and lose all three games. Yeah. Um, I think that that just happens with Mourinho at times. And mm-hmm. that could cost him first place or third place in the Premier League. Um, so we'll, I think we'll sort of see, but if they keep up this form, I don't see why not. You know, yeah. especially with how Harry Kane and Son are linking up up top, I don't see why they can't win the league. I, yeah. I really, you know, they they look like they're on fire.
0: Yeah, and I, they're in. The, I think they're in the Europa League, so they wouldn't have that. Mm. But even in the Champions League, it's kind of up for grabs. It's like Madrid is in shambles a little bit, and Barcelona is in a shambles with the whole messy saga this summer, and it's looking. And I guess Bayern, you would say, is probably probably the favorite for that. Um, but beyond them, I'm not really sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, before tonight, I'd have told you Man United would have won the Champions League given our two <laughs> our two wins in the Champions League. Um, I have no idea. Uh, I, I mean, PSG are playing Leipzig right now. Actually, I wonder what the uh, the score is in that game. I'm going to quickly check that. It's two yeah, one to it. Leipzig against PSG right now. That I mean, that in itself, the team we beat five nil are beating PSG two nil, which they looked absolutely shocking against us. They didn't. I don't they think did. they had a a solid attack that I thought they'd score from against, mm-hmm. against Man United of all teams. And then they've gone in, they're being PSG. So...
0: Is it late in the game?
1: Uh, it is, yeah. It is... Let me quickly check. Um. Oh, that's it. The game is over. They they won 2-1. Leipzig wow. beat PSG 2-1. Do
0: you watch Bundesliga much?
1: I don't watch it enough. I watched it... I watched it... Uh. When you know when it was the only league that opened back up, yeah. Um, post post UK lockdown, I watched a mm-hmm. lot of it. Um, you know, I was watching, I was scouting out Jaden Sancho because obviously we were going to sign him mm-hmm. back then. Um, but I don't watch, I don't watch it much. The difficult thing is it's never really on TV here, you know. Yeah. And I guess that's not an excuse because it's probably not on TV there
0: either. No, but, it's on uh, ESPN Plus, and yeah. well, the Premier League isn't on TV here either. We have to get like Peacock streaming and. The, the U.S. has done, like, the, the streaming services have basically put everything behind a paywall, which is really annoying. Um, but ESPN Plus is, they have Serie A and Bundesliga and MLS. Um, and so those, that's kind of what I went for. Mm-hmm. then you have to go, CBS Sports has the Champions League games on, but they play it sort of like, they just shift through all the games when highlights come. And it's not really the same as just sitting down and watching watching a match. Yeah. Um, and then Premier League is behind a, a, another streaming service. And so I used to watch Premier League all, all the time. But this season, I haven't – I watched the highlights, and that's and that's kind of it. But Bundesliga, if you watch Leipzig play, like Upa if like you watch him play, he's a quality, quality center back. And he would be one that if I was you guys, I would be looking at signing – I, I I'd be
1: honest with you, against us I didn't think much of him um, but I also think that it was more so a case of I just don't think that the tactics for Leipzig were right against us um, yeah. but from what, I mean I've, I've literally only watched him against us this season I haven't watched a, mm-hmm. another Leipzig game uh, he looks like a decent ball playing centre-back, he seems, to, he seems to push up the pitch quite a bit does. Um, so I mean that, that he looks solid in that regard um i'd love to sign him i would love to sign any any good defender any any defender that has potential mm-hmm. that that can play a decent I, I honestly i'm crying out for a defender right now the fridge on wheels we have at the back as much as like i agree with what you said earlier in the fact that he shows pockets of talent but we don't play how Leicester played when he when he was incredible at Leicester, mm-hmm. he played so well there because Leicester played a defending line in their own penalty box, mm-hmm. so Harry Maguire rarely ventured out, so he didn't have to track back any time. Unfortunately, we play a high line, and if someone plays a ball through that high line, he is about as fast as I can't think of anything incredibly to be slow. He's just very <laughs> slow basically, um, and he can't he can't get back quick enough. He can't he can't beat anyone in on a foot race. So yeah. unfortunately. It just doesn't work in our system. Someone like Up would probably work well because, you know, he showed a lot of pace and he's got the same features in terms of having like he you know, he's got a big frame mm-hmm. and he's a ball playing centre back. So, you know, it probably would work really well in our system. Um
0: Yeah. If you watched the their game in the Champions League against PSG last year, um, even though they lost, he played exceptionally well. And that was that was one of the games I watched him play in the Bundesliga often, but that was the game where I was like, "He's solid. He's a, he's a he'll be a really good signing for for somebody." Um, and I think, based on how the Bundesliga is turning out this year, they're in first right now. Mm-hmm. And so, if they go, I think he's got he's got some sort of release clause that might be activated in January. But I feel like if they're if they're in first or they have a shot to win the title, that they'll ask for so much money for him. Mm -hmm. but I don't know. So if you had to pick like a, a champions league final and then a top four for the premier league, who, who would it be? Mm,
1: Champions league final. That's a tough one. Um, I would say champions league final this year. I can see man city potentially, uh, being in the, I, they, I, they shouldn't really be in the Champions League in general, should they, given the fact that they That's they almost true. missed out on it. But I can see Man City being, as much as it pains me to say that, I can see Man City or Liverpool uh, being one of the finalists this year. And I think that I think we could see a German team being the second finalist. Mm-hmm. or I, I think it'd be either a German team or maybe an Italian team this year. You know, maybe Juve get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, They're under Perlo now. That'd be interesting to see if Perlo can bring it can can bring out um, a Champions League final they seem to be doing okay right now in the city so yeah maybe I don't know Um, for a top four Premier League as of right now I'd have to say you know Liverpool Everton uh, Tottenham and, and maybe Leicester to be honest, yeah. like, it, it's such a weird league. I think we'll see some normality return soon. You know, I think we'll see some really dominant City performances. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'll see uh, Chelsea find some form. Um, but until then, I can, like, like I, I'd be silly not to say that Everton could be in the top four this year because mm-hmm. they've only just lost their first game last week and before mm-hmm. then they were completely unbeaten, so... It's it's a weird it's a weird yeah. season. Yeah. They've look,
0: they've looked really good. Hamas has looked really good under Ancelotti, and who's he's signed him three times at three different clubs. So they yeah. clearly they clearly get on. Um oh I do have uh, one one more question for you. As far as um like the rivalries like United City or United Liverpool. They're often like you hear all the time about like the passion and the rivalry and the fans and, and everything. What is what is it like for you um being being in the sort of rivalry that gets as much attention as United City or United Liverpool and like well one have you been to one of the games in person and two what what's like the difference in the atmosphere between like United Burnley or versus one of those games
1: I have actually I've not been to a a derby match before or a mm-hmm. rivalry game before um been to a lot of games uh, but I wouldn't be able to adhere to the, what the the atmosphere is like in one of those games. But I mean, the rivalries are very hostile anyway. I'd say from being a content creator and being someone that's that's in more of the public eye than than your average Joe, I get a lot of stick from rival fans, mm-hmm. especially when Man United lose. Um, so it's there's a lot of passion there and there's a lot of mm-hmm. animosity. But you know, I think it's is. I would say it's probably similar to any other. I'd say passion-wise and intensity-wise, it's probably similar to any other rivalry, but because it's it's the rivalry of my club versus another club, it feels very personal to me. So mm-hmm. it's something that I will I will see as a more like if someone if a Liverpool fan was to call Man United terrible, you know, I I'd, mm-hmm. I'd obviously be I'd take that personally as a Man mm-hmm. United fan. Um, Whereas if a Spurs fan calls Arsenal terrible, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but I have learned to try and put aside my footballing bias to save face a lot as well. Um, cause the last thing I want to do is, is have a war with someone on Twitter about why United aren't, <laughs> you know, and why, why Liverpool are terrible in this, that, the other. So, um, but I also feel like I'm actually quite unbiased when it comes to footballing opinions. Like mm-hmm. I will praise Liverpool if, you know, cause they play good football or I will, mm-hmm. I will praise city if they do well. Um, mm-hmm it pains me to do it but i will I, you know i will i will admit that van dyke is the best centre back in the world or you know mm-hmm. that Marnay is almost as good as rashford so like i will <laughs> i will i will be honest when it comes to it um it, yeah it's is footballing is just, just football is football isn't it like fans mm-hmm. are fans are passionate fans are, yeah. are wild when it comes to football so it's just something we all have to deal with i think and having grown up around football my whole life it's just Uh, Some i'm used to nowadays
0: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely it's something that we like in here we only see it from afar obviously on tv Mm -hmm. um but it looks from like you know how cameras go into the pubs and stuff like during the game or whatever like it looks like it's a load of fun to to be in there i mean well when your team is winning of course but um but yeah definitely something that i want to experience at some point to travel either to to the uk or Germany, maybe see like a Der Klassiker or something like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely something on, on the bucket list to do, obviously, once COVID um, goes away or whatever happens with, with that. But um, I lied. I did have one more question for you. So uh, we were talking before about your different like collaborations with different YouTubers Mm -hmm. uh, and that sort of thing. How do you go about with those, uh collaborations now like i remember you were talking beforehand you were like oh i just tweeted at nepo to play fortnite or uh, i just played with tom in his stream one time but now that you're kind of a little bit more established is there a lot of scheduling that has to go into that or do you kind of just like text so and so be like hey do you want to film today or how does that sort of work
1: um with clubs i mean i'm i'm so it depends what the club is uh Mm -hmm if it's a squad of training, for example, I talk to Andy every day. Like me and Andy play games together every day or we just chat back and forth every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would literally just be a case of Andy would just be like, yo, do you want to record tomorrow? I'll be like, yeah, sure, why not? We'll, just, we'll record in the afternoon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's something like seven-minute squads with Jack, he'll usually set a time. Um, like he'll be like, yo, can you record on Wednesday at like 9 a.m.? And, and every time he misses the time anyway because he's, <laughs> you know, but uh, he'll set a time. <laughs> You'll set a day and a time, uh, but it mm. just depends on the club, really. It's very, it's quite chill, there's never really like a stress about it, or yeah. a, there's never really any kind of um, any kind of uh, uh, worry or or, or, or like set schedule. It's just kind of it's kind of pretty chill, mm. um, but yeah, like before it would be a case of um. You know, you, I wouldn't get asked as much back at like a few years ago because people mm-hmm. didn't really know me. But now, as you do collabs and become friends with these people, it's kind of just, you know, you're one of the people mm-hmm. that they want to kind of record with. So they kind of just, they kind of just, you know, drop your DM or a text or something. Yeah. They, you know, hey, do you want to record tomorrow? Yeah. Why not?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite collab out of the, well, the main three that I know, anyways? Seven Minute Squads, Team Takedown, or Squad Builder Showdown?
1: I would say. Scorabular Showdown is probably my favorite to record. But 7-Minute Squad is my favorite to play because it's Jack's a really easy opponent. Jack is <laughs> god-awful at FIFA. He is terrible. So, yeah, yeah I'd say, yeah, Scorabular Showdown is definitely, I'd, I'd say it's the most fun to record because I, I think it's my favorite concept out of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all fun, to be honest. I like them all.
0: Yeah, they're all fun to watch anyway. So if you guys are interested in watching those, we'll put those links to Haber's channel down in the description below but i think this is a good place to wrap up uh it's probably very late over there what uh, almost midnight 11 30 it's about midnight.
1: Half, half 10, half oh, 10 PM.
0: i got my times wrong <laughs> but anyways uh, i really appreciate your time uh it's been I've had a lot of fun talking to you and and wish you wish you the best with your youtube and, and fifa career
1: i appreciate it mate. it's been a lot of fun i really enjoyed it
0: sounds good bye everybody